Hey there, I'm Joanne Tambrakis, and this is Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Unfiltered conversations, or as I like to say, opinions shaken, not stirred, on what's changing and what's not in business and in life as we enter into the next normal. So pour yourself your beverage of choice, and let's get to it. Today's guest is the Chief Development Officer for St. Augustine High School in New Orleans, which I'm probably not pronouncing correctly, a board member of the, for the Preservation Resource Center and the New Orleans African American Museum. And most importantly, Austin Taylor was one of my NYU graduate students way back in the summer of 2015. And he is the very first of my former students to be on my podcast. So welcome to Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Professor Tumbrakis. I am <laughs> thrilled to be here. Um, I know you, 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 you expressed the martinis, but I'll tell you what I have in my hand. I have a cup of Tazo passion fruit tea. Okay. Well, it is early in the morning. We're recording this. So I hope to God that you're not drinking a martini yet. And Alston, you can call me Joanne. We've been away from this far enough. I still kind of take a step back when people call me professor because I'm like, who are they talking about? <laughs> They're talking about somebody else. Um, and we can thank, really can thank, this is a positive of social media because if it wasn't for social media, I would not be able to keep up with the successes of my former students. And when I saw yeah. what you were doing now, how, how you left your big job at BET in New York, and you're using your skills in a way that more directly give back to the community, I, I knew I had to get had to have you on this podcast. So we'll get more into those details later. But I always like to start by asking my guests, where are they from and how that has influenced the direction that got them to where they are right now. Now, in your case, that's a lot more clear than it might be for others. So can we start with that? Sure, of course. Born and raised in the city of New Orleans, downtown to be specific, and even more specific in the neighborhood of Treme. That's pronounced T-R-E-M-E, Treme. Treme. And uh, yeah, so the show that you saw on HBO, uh, that show was named after my neighborhood that I grew up in. And I spent 17 years growing up in New Orleans. And I moved on to Houston, Texas, where I went for undergrad, Texas Southern University. And then I journeyed my way to New York City, where I spent 16 years before coming back home to New Orleans in the top of 2019 in January. Wow. And what brought you back to New Orleans? I'm living it. I'm in it. And you just named it. Um, it's my high school. And, you know... Uh, and I'm going to call you Professor Tom Brockus. You're just going to have to deal with it. You were my <laughs> professor. And that's the only thing I know you as. I do not know you as Joanne. I'm not calling you that. Um, you know, I specifically went to NYU to gain additional skills, gain paperwork, and to solidify myself as a young person that had additional education. And I specifically did that with intent to one day return home to work at my high school in a C-suite level position and to give back to this amazing place that has been at the forefront of educating black men and black boys for 70 years. And so um, 
I came home specifically to come and do this job and to give it all I got, make it a critical mission. And however long that mission lasts, it'll last. But um, I came here for this and I'm, I'm all in. You know, it's funny because I, one of the things that, you know, certain, I have a lot of students that come through my classes and certain ones stick in my mind. And of course, you and, and Samantha sitting in the corner in the back on the left, see, I still, my left, um, I still remember very well. But I do remember even then somehow or other, the conversation had come up in class about St. Augustine and the impact that it had on you. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about the school and the history? Because it does have, have, a, have, has a long history and, um, I think, I think that's important to the conversation. Sure. Yes. Um, so St. Augustine High School, and you can call it St. Augustine or St. Augustine, whichever one. We affectionately call it St. Aug for short uh, in the city of New Orleans. My high school has been around since 1951. It was started by priests that were known as the Josephite priests. They still exist. They've been doing work cultivating African-American families for 250 years. And they are based out of Baltimore, Maryland. But what happened was the city of New Orleans, obviously in the 50s, everything was segregated. The whole United States was segregated. But the Catholic entities in New Orleans saw that there was a need for a black boys Catholic school. And they sent out this memo around the country and asked who would take up the mantle to start this. And the Josephite priests responded. They accepted the challenge. They moved some of their priests from Baltimore to New Orleans. And I would say at the time, probably 90% of the staff in the early 50s were priests. And the rest were laymen. And so the, the history of the school is that these priests, along with lay people in the early 50s, they created this brand of education and discipline and tradition that made learning and, and being educated as black men very, very unique, masculine, and exciting. And over the last 69 years, there's been so many graduates that have went on to do amazing things. And those amazing accomplishments tie back to the rigorous discipline and the culture that we have at our school. And so if I had to give you a little history about some of our graduates, the first University of Notre Dame law student to graduate that was of color is a graduate of our high school. Oh, wow. The first African-American to play in the powerhouse SEC conference in the 1960s is a graduate of our high school. The first African-American presidential scholar in the state of Louisiana is a graduate of our high school. Fast forward to now, the current executive editor of the New York Times. Yes, I said the executive editor of the New York Times wow. is a graduate of our high school. The CEO of Carnival Cruise is a graduate of our high school. When you look at sports and you go on television and you look at ESPN, Stan Verrett, who's on ESPN as a an, as an sports analyst and anchor, he's a graduate of our high school. And so I share that because this is what the school is made up of. It, it, it pushes out leaders who go on and do phenomenal things in their own right. And those men have such a high level of pride that if you go to some of their LinkedIn pages, it won't start with their education being in their undergrad. It'll start with St. Augustine High School and including mine. 
Right. And they, and this has been going on, as you said, since 1951. So that's just kind of incredible when you think about we've come so far and yet we haven't come far enough, obviously. And we'll talk more about that as we get into the conversation. But um, the purpose of this high school has been to support and educate young black men. Yeah. And, and because it's private and it's Catholic, it does not denote privilege. And so what I mean by that is you have diversity within one race and one gender at our school from 7.20 in the morning to probably 7 o'clock at night when you add an extracurricular. And you have 512 young brown and black boys that are coming from different walks of life in the city of New Orleans. Some are coming from two-parent households that live in a gated community in the city of New Orleans. That young man may drive a Mercedes-Benz to school or a Porsche Panorama. You'll have a kid that's coming from the housing project whose mom is uh, deemed low income based off of her paperwork and the things that she sent in for the Department of Education. And then you'll have a parent that's a single parent that's working two and a half jobs and she's sacrificing her time with her son at home so that she can make sure that he gets this education that we provide. And then you'll have two parents that have a household but have multiple kids. They all go to a private school and their finances are stretched, but they believe in the St. Aug education so much that they know it's worth it and they'll sacrifice their time. And so when you get these four different kind of young men coming together at one place at one time, everyone is in the mindset of no man left behind, no matter where they came from. And so when you have this brotherhood and this allegiance, it only grows beyond the high school days and it goes off into the professional ranks and the personal ranks. And that's the culture that we've cultivated for 69 years. We're very proud of that. So you went from this big ad sales job, you were working at Disney and Viacom, you sold for ESPN and BET in New York, something, as you know, I know a little bit about, because that was my corporate life as well. Not mm -hmm. for those networks, but other ones, complete with an expense account. One of the things I still personally miss. <laughs> Oh, and now don't remind me. Don't remind me of the expense account. <laughs> I think if there's anything anyone says, did you? what do you miss about corporate? It's like, really, it's an expense account. Um, but now you're using, you're taking these skills, these sales and marketing skills, and instead of selling ad time, which I used to have to justify what I was doing to give back into the world. And I used to say I was keeping the economy running because I couldn't come up with anything better than that at that time. But obviously using these skills to fundraise is different. How is that different for you? Well, it's, it's, it's not different in the sense of the skill set, but what is different is that a, I don't have an expense account. <laughs> <laughs> B, it's incredibly rewarding because instead of looking at my spots and dots that are running on air or my banners that are running in digital, I'm literally looking at my product every single day and I'm looking them in their eyes and I am reminding them that they're special. I'm reminding them that they're going to go out and set the world ablaze. And I'm reminding them that one day they're going to outdo me and do so many great things and then they're going to repay me for it because they became great because of what I told them they would be. So that is the ultimate bigger difference is that I, you know, I, I, I'm able to be a part of my culture every single day. 
And while I've, I've touted all of those accomplishments and those amazing things and what our school has done, unfortunately, the brick and mortar doesn't match up to the success of the content, which is the young men that have graduated from the school. And that's what really pulled me back to say, it's time to go and do this work because we're outdated. The windows mm -hmm. on our school are the windows that's been there since 1951. The oh, lighting, okay. in the, lighting in the classroom and the fixtures in the classrooms are the same ones when I was a student there in 1994. Um, the the, the locker room and weight room, they are, they're not in disrepair, but they're just enough for us to be able to push through. And so I got to this point where I said, you know what, if there's something that is worth sacrificing, it's something that's important for me to do, I'm going to go and do this amazing work. I'll do it for a period of time in my life while I'm still single, while I'm not married and I don't have any kids. And I know that it'll be something of amazement for me when I look back on to know that I saw this building get um, get changed. I've seen this innovation come into the school, and it's all because of my efforts with the team that are here today. And that's what's important to me right now in my life. You know, I just I'm going to segue for a minute because I, one of the things when I was doing my homework on seeing what else was up with you, I went back. And I found the very first blog you wrote in my class, which anyone who's been in my classes know blog writing is part of the digital marketing course at NYU. And in the summer of 2015, you described, this, these were your words, how you described yourself. Quote, I see a pensive individual who cares about making a difference in the world. End of quote. So this has been laying there for a long time. So marketers can get a bad rap, um, especially on the advertising side of things. And yet, you're again, you're using these skills to impact change. And I read that you just recently secured the largest single gift in the school's history, a $1.5 million unrest unrestricted contribution from the charitable foundation of Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. It's nice to know that he's spending some of that money that he's using in a good spot. Has have, have you found that the current climate and the renewed attention to Black Lives Matter has made it easier for you to fundraise? Is this one of those just moments in time that it's a little bit, I mean, obviously you have the passion and you are your product of, of what you're selling, which I think is, or fundraising for, which I think is so, so critically important, but is it making it easier because of the attention right now? So I, I will be brutally honest. Mm -hmm. I may have a I may have developed a very great skill set to tell a story and to demonstrate uh, what what I'm passionate about from my voice. But without hesitation, I will tell you that the challenges that have been brought on this year and the horrific incidents that have to have taken place to black people and especially black men, um, as well as obviously with Breonna Taylor being a black female, that it, yes, it has certainly opened up greater doors for me because I think there are more people that are finally seeing the challenges of what African-Americans have been faced with for an incredibly long time. But thank God for cell phones these days because so many recordings that are being pushed out 
um, that are being able to show the horrific things that are happening to humans. Um, so yes, I, I, I would, I would, I would be, it would be foolish of me to sit here and think that everything that I'm doing right now is a direct reflection of my skill set. No, it's a combination. It's a mixture of the same way for your martini, right? To make the best martini, so many different things have to go into it to make it come out to be amazing. Well, that's happening for me where I was the right person at the right time at my high school to be able to reach and influence people that have wealth, that have wealth status and that are willing to put their money where their mouth is, is as well as where their heart is. And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of attention right now for black America is pulling on the heartstrings of people that don't look like black America. And I am grateful and I'm mm-hmm. very appreciative of those individuals that have the wealth and that have the riches and they want to support something that's noteworthy. I am very grateful. So do you think that this moment is different? Um, is this really, a, a, because a lot of people, I, I feel that there's something different this time, but again, I'm not a black man. So I'm looking at it through a different lens. Do you think that this moment is different that the, that we really have the ability right now to really make a positive change? Well, let, let me break it down for you. And I think you'll understand it when I respond to this, because I want to, I want to talk in data points. I'm a part of a school right now. I'm at Loyola University and I'm doing a fellowship in the Institute of Politics. And it's every Tuesday night. And um, I'm, I'm in week three and I love it. And just this past Tuesday, we were in a conversation with a leader of the city and I asked a question and the question was, in the last 15 years since Hurricane Katrina, the white population of New Orleans went from 49,000 to 60,000 in household income growth. And the black population of New Orleans went from 23,000 to 25,100 in, pop, in, house, in black household population and growth. And that was a 15 year period where blacks earn $2,100 more inside their homes. And so when I think of that, it, it, I, I can be met with a lot of things that there's still so much growth to go. Someone is not providing us with access or maybe as blacks, we are not pushing ourselves and challenging ourselves, but I will dare to say that we're not getting the access and we're not getting the equal access to be able to be work our way toward what a comfortable life can be, right? Only going from 23,000 to 25,100. So if this moment that we're living in right now is one that we can continue to grow on and build on and give more blacks access, then yes, I think 15, 20 years from now, we'll see the growth that we deserve but right now, there's been there hasn't been any access given to us, and we deserve that. Yeah, it's it's definitely not fair and equal at this point, or has not been at this point in time. Um, I love the facts that you that you pulled up, and I did not know that you were doing this fellowship in politics. So, I don't know is that something in your future there, Austin? Well, are you going to be the next mayor of New Orleans? <laughs> well, listen. 
in 20... Am I saying that right? I know it's a special way to say it, but I don't think I ever quite get it right. No, you said it right. You said it right. In 2008, I worked with a dear friend of mine who was running for state senator, and I was his campaign manager, and I had the slightest understanding of running a campaign. But what I did was I got on the ground with him, and I said, look, I believe in you, and we're going to knock on these doors and we're going to sing your praises and your message, and we're going to see where this takes us. Well, in 2008, I declared that I was going to only do this again as if I was doing it for myself. And I said that I was going to run for mayor of New Orleans in 2026. I said that 18, is it 18 now? No. I said that 12 years ago. Now, okay, and you're saying it here now, 2026. That's not that far away, really, in the big scheme of things. I agree. However, I'm not quite sure if the path for me is to want to continue to be the mayor of New Orleans. Not because I don't want to do it and do a great job for this city and for the people, but I just feel like I've grown, I've matured, and I've just seen a different way of how I can make impact. And if that means that I can be a kingmaker or a queenmaker, versus being the king, then maybe I'm okay with that route, but I will always be a part of the atmosphere of influencing to make change and to make greater impact in this amazing, beautiful city. But I did declare 12 years ago that I was gonna run in 2026. I'm just gonna leave it at that. However, I I just don't know if that's still in the cards for me today. Well, I think it's, you know, I think it's something to think about because I had no idea that you made that declaration. I just pulled mayor out of thin air. So um, if you this happens to you one more time, you know, they say three times the charm. So there's something really to it then. How, how is how is the school managing during the pandemic, the school itself? We're Education doing is, such a, is such a difficult thing right now. It is. It is. We are. So here's what we're doing. From... August to now, when we started, we were virtual and it was 100% virtual. We had the staff and the faculty working from the school while the kids were at home on on their uh, on their computers. And they, we were all teaching through Google Classroom. As of Monday, literally this past Monday, we brought them back on campus and we have split the school up into two groups. Our colors are purple and gold. So you have a purple group on Monday and Tuesday. And then on Thursdays and Friday, you have the gold group. On Wednesday, it's a day of deep, deep cleaning and getting the school prepared for the next group based on the purple group who was there on Monday and Tuesday. So whatever they may have left behind inside their classes is getting cleaned up and thoroughly wiped out on Wednesdays. And then on Thursdays and Fridays, we have the gold group. And then late night, all through the night on Friday night, we're preparing the school for the kids who are going to come back on Monday. It seems to be going okay so far. uh, We've had minimal cases in the last, I would say, month. And I'm stating that because we're still doing extracurricular in the evening. So while the kids were working from home, at 3.30, they were showing up for band practice. They were showing up for football practice. They were showing up for STEM club. They were showing up for speech and debate. And so we've had very, very minimal cases to the point where it's only a handful. 
That's, that's, that's a good, that's a good thing. And how about you personally? How have you been managing this? I remember you as a very social individual. A very social butterfly. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> At BET, um, I got an award before I left. I got an award that was said, uh, most likely to work the room and the line at the Soul Train Awards. In <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I've I've managed. It's been it's been difficult because I am a I feed off of energy, and I love to be with people more than having to talk to them through a screen. Um, but I've managed, and I've uh, I've taken my time with making sure that I was protecting myself and staying healthy. I have taken the COVID-19 test five times in the last two months. And it was for different reasons. Um, the first time I did it uh, was because uh, my lady, she felt she was ill. And so she didn't want to take the test. So she sent me to go take the test. I obviously <laughs> took it and I was negative. The second time was... Um, I needed to go back into the school and I wanted to make sure that I was okay going around my coworkers. A third time was I was going to Jamaica for a, um, for a trip in Jamaica of, uh, department of health, health and ministries. They made you take a test before you could come in. So that was the third time. The fourth time was I, I woke up feeling very sick, runny nose, feeling crazy. And I went to urgent care. And that was the fourth one. And then the fifth one, I literally took on yesterday. We we opened up a little uh, COVID-19 uh, testing area inside the school, but away from where the kids are in an isolated area where folks can come off the street into the, into the the uh, on the campus, but then leave right back out. And so we opened it up for our faculty and staff and students as well as to the public. And so I took the test on yesterday. So I've taken it five times and four out of five have come back negative. The one from yesterday will come back on tomorrow and it'll more than likely be negative as well. Yeah, I've taken it a couple of times. I had to to um, get on campus at NYU, but um, you kind of get used to it. I'm, I'm, I'm all about the testing. I'd rather have somebody stick that swab up my nose and find out I'm okay than, than not. Um, I want to ask you also, I, I found another quote here that I wanted to, um, in one of your blogs, which I think it will be interesting. It's kind of in line with the um, you being a social being. And in one of your blogs, you said, and quote, networking is one letter away from not working, end quote. Um, as you know, I'm a big believer in networking too. I think it's probably one of the single most important skills to learn as you build your career. But can you expound on those words of wisdom? Yes. So I, I want us to play on that. Networking is one letter away from not working. If you change out the O and you change out the E, it goes with what I just said. You got it? Got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> But then when you look at it in the action uh, context of this, you know, a closed mouth never gets fed. And a person that doesn't work a room or go into a place and have a conversation and have curiosity, you're never going to know what's on the other side of the door for you. I mean, most people 
you know, you, you don't find your passions and your passion points until you explore and you learn, but you got to learn from others and hear from others to get to what's important and what's passionate for yourself. And so, you know, I've, my mom is the ultimate networker. Let's, let's just start there. I don't want you to think that this is me. I inherited this trait of being able to be a great networker. My mom will, you can ask her about anything you want to know. She's going to have a relationship that can help you out. And so I watched her over time from when I was a little kid on how she would do it in such a subtle way without caring about anything in return. And so, you know, when I think of networking as one letter away from not working, you're only as good as your network, right? If, 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 If you have a network of friends that all they do is sit down, be quiet, play video games, and that's what your squad is doing, then you're going to be the same person. So how do you expand on your network? How do you be find that comfort zone to talk to people and not be afraid of, you know, feeling like rejection is going to happen? You, you have to do it. And I am a big believer and proponent of knowing that you have to be curious. You have to be a person that is comfortable with approaching people. And ultimately, you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I love that, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I also really like what you said about networking without expecting, I think you used the word caring, expecting anything in return. I think a lot of people approach it with, I'm going to do this, and I know that's going to get me something back. But my own experience has been, the more generous I am in my networking, the more that does come back without expectation. Yeah, you, you got to network like Santa Claus. What does Santa Claus do? <laughs> he drops off a gift at your house and he leaves, right? You got to network like Santa Claus because- I like, yeah, I like that. That's great. Yeah, you know, you're, 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 when you give something up, it's going to come back to you tenfold anyway. Just but give it up and don't expect it in the moment. Santa Claus doesn't expect anything but a little batch of cookies, right? And maybe some milk. And as a kid, you come back out and you see that it's been eaten and it's been, you know, it's been, uh, it's gone. But he didn't talk to you. He didn't care about getting anything in return except a little thing of milk and cookies. I'll take that. I just have a couple more questions because I know you're a very busy man. Um, you're also on the board of the New Orleans Preservation Resource Center and the New Orleans African American Museum. Anything you want to add in about all of these civic endeavors that you're taking on? Sure. So when I first moved back home in January 2019, I had already eyed a condominium that I felt had my name written all over it. And the seller of that condominium was Preservation Resource Center. And the reason that that entity, who's a nonprofit, the reason they owned it is because the condo that I was looking at, it's a historic building in the city of New Orleans. And so their whole mission is to preserve traditions, history, and especially buildings in the city of New Orleans. That way the city doesn't lose its character. But it's all about celebrating the, it's all about celebrating history. And so when I was at the table with them to, for closing, as we're closing out, 
the executive director, Danielle Del Sol, who is a, an incredibly dear friend of mine, but she's an amazing leader for PRC. Um, Danielle was like, the realtor, our realtor shared that you came in with a vision and was saying on oh, certain things you were going to change and what you were going to do to the unit. Is it okay if I see it at some point when, when it's all up and done? And I was like, sure. I said, but I would also have interest in wanting to be on y'all board. Can we do that? <laughs> if you don't ask, you don't get, you know, you, you, you never know what you're going to get. You have to, you have, you have to ask. I love that. That's a great, that's a great story. And the African-American museum, that's a new board seat. Is that right? That is a very new board seat. And the reason that I joined this entity is because I grew up 0.2 miles away from the African-American Museum in Treme. The museum sits in the Treme neighborhood. It's been a staple and a crown jewel of the city of New Orleans. And it, it needs help and it needs work. And what I mean by that is, the museum has some challenges over the years. It, the doors of it is shut right now. And I joined this team to help be a part of this turnaround story to make sure that this amazing, amazing piece of land and these beautiful buildings that are historic come back to life. And so we have our work cut out for us, but I am thrilled to be a part of the team that we've assembled. And we're gonna do some amazing work for the New Orleans African American Museum. I, I just love how you're using your your marketing and sales skills and education and really making a difference in a community that you grew up in. I think it's just really, it's an amazing story there, Austin. Um, Two more things. One, do you have any advice for our listeners as we, as we, we do have listeners now, um, the first couple of episodes, I wasn't sure, but we do have listeners. So, and I think we do have a, we do have a lot of uh, NYU present and former students that are listening as well. So any words of wisdom that you might have? Of course. Of course you do, because you've got a lot of life wisdom. I knew, I knew, I, I knew I'd get a good answer from this. Let's hear, let's hear. I would say, Chase your passion, right? Um, you know, most people, when they're applying for jobs, the first area they look at is the salary and they look at the benefits. But I think you, you should focus on how is this particular organization is going to benefit my passion points and how will it allow me to feel that I'm fulfilled and I'm making a difference in what's important to me. If, if, if you love building engines and you want to build the fastest engine that a Corvette will ever have, then go for building the biggest engine and know that the people who are in charge of financial backing, that they're going to reward you for your great job that you've done, right? If you believe in education, Go and be a teacher and have the aspiration to one day become a superintendent. But you got to start from the ground level up and you got to be able to be committed. And the only way that you're going to make change and make an impact in a classroom is if you soak up the classroom vibe. So go and do that. And then lastly, be bold, be creative, but always be pensive. Right. Mm -hmm. As you shared that, that's one of the first things that I wrote on my first blog. When we we're in class in summer 2015. Being pensive is 
you really, 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 really asking so many questions that people may get annoyed, but you're getting knowledge. And if you don't demonstrate curiosity, then how are you going to find out who you are as a person? Right. And so I, I, I live by the motto of being curious and understanding who you are, and where you're trying to go. And I look, I, I think as of right now, I've done a lot of things right, but I know I've done a lot of things wrong in my little short lived life. However, I'm living inside my passion right now and I'm making an impact on a lot of young men who every day they see me, they know the work that I'm doing. They know that I'm doing it for them. And so I, I wouldn't trade this chapter of my life for anything in the world. I'm not going to say that this is going to be the one that I would go to my grave with because then I think I've done a disservice to our school if I'm in this job 30, 40 years from now because I, I am bullish about passing the baton to the next person who could come in and break all the records that I've set. So, you know, be curious, be bold, be inspired, but, you know, make sure you go out and break records and be comfortable with the next person coming behind you to break your own. I love it. What a great way to finish up this podcast. Thank you so much. If anyone wants to find you online, where can they do that? Any yes. place you want uh, to direct people? So Maybe somebody my, who has some money to, money to donate to the school. You never know. Absolutely, Professor. Look, I, there, was, there was no way I was going to finish up our chat, and I was not going to give you a point, a, 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 what is it, a call to action for where you need to go to to support my young men, uh, as well as myself. So I'm going to give you that one first. So S-T-A-U-G-N-O-L-A dot org. That's org. If you go to that website, you will be able to see that we have a link right, right in the middle of it, smack in the middle on your phone that says Give Now. We'd appreciate whatever you have, $5, $10, 10000 $10 million. It all <laughs> adds up. Um, for me, I'm, I'm big on personal branding. So my IG and my Facebook is my name, Austin Taylor. Then no nicknames. Uh, my LinkedIn is Austin Taylor. I'm very easy to find. And um, Twitter, same situation, Austin Taylor. There's no... There's nothing fancy about how my brand is out there in the social space. I uh, would love to hear from some new friends. Would love to understand what others are up to. And most importantly, Professor Tumbrakas, I want to thank you for seeking me out and allowing me to be your first student to be a part of your amazing blog. I love the name. And if there's anything I can do to help it, please help me, tap me, let me know if I can help and if I can do anything to, um, push out some of your content. Well, thank you so much, Austin. It has truly, truly been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. And the next martini is on me. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. This show would not be possible without my incredible creative and production team, Nadi, Cherry, Anthony, and Wah. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, 
please drop me a note, info at joannetombrakis.com. And until next time, remember, whatever got you to where you are isn't enough to keep you there. <laughs>